Hello, welcome to the Darling Mom Podcast. I'm Jill. And I'm Shandy. We invite you on a journey to discover where you are still growing up. The Darling Mom Podcast fields your questions, no matter how personal or practical, and offers the responsive voice of a mother in return. So Shan and I haven't been awesome about podcasting. Just the real COVID-19 <laughs> stressors have been in our life too. But we did want to just get back to you guys because um, there's so much to talk about during this time. And honestly, I don't know about you, Shan, but I need um, I need actually um, a place to kind of say some of it and like invite response as well. Totally. It's feeling very lonely for sure um, at times. Yeah. And then at other times, I want to send all the people away. <laughs> totally. Alone sounds awesome. Right. <laughs> like, you know, no, that, there's no, that show. In general, the people that I've been with for the last <laughs> six weeks. Yeah, could we? <laughs> totally. <laughs> could we swap families for a little yes. while? We could just do a family swap. We'll quarantine with different people. <laughs> yes. What was that old um, show, Wife Swap? (laughs) Let's just get a different family. Like, I'm pretty sure I have some good ideas. It's just that none of my people think I have good ideas anymore. So I just need a new audience. (laughs) Totally. I think that would make all the difference. If you have have kids around our kids' ages, we'll just try it on another family and see how it goes. We could be geniuses in another family. (laughs) And I'm sure that other mom would also be a genius to my kids. Um, so. for sure. For sure. Uh-huh. Yep. You and I should go first, Jill. We'll let people know how it goes. There you go. Oh, gosh. It's fun to laugh. It feels good to laugh. Oh, my goodness. Um, we sure need it. So. We do. We do. But honestly, I do want to talk about something that's a little bit more vulnerable. And I was telling Shan before we get on. I'm going to read this piece um, that I wrote partially for my own sake to like sink me into the the more vulnerable place. It's actually sometimes hard to access. So I'm going to read a quick piece and then we're going to um, just dialogue about that. And this piece is on um, uh, our Darling Mom website and it's called Panic. <clears throat> Sorry. I almost had a panic attack today. It's high 60s and sunny, which feels like summer in Central Oregon. However, the world feels weak and thin during this COVID-19 plague. I asked my 16-year-old daughter if she wants to go lay in the sun by the river. I have a lesser-known trail in mind that feels safe. I've been craving the sound of water. I feel generally calm as we bump down the rutted road to the trail. I ride the high edges of dirt so we do not high center. I'm always holding random emotions, thoughts, and experiences of myself and others. As I drive, these things wander to the surface. I notice my 10-year-old son does not want to go outside as much anymore. I must coerce him. I have been blaming the electronic leash, but realize today the world does not feel safe to him. He usually rides his bike around our subdivision common area, talking to neighbors and petting all the dogs. But now when he goes out, I remind him, stay at least six feet away from everyone and don't pet dogs today. His face registers the oddity and he goes out, but he doesn't stay long. When we ride our bikes into town, the sparseness of cars and people feels alien-like strange. I buy him an Italian soda from a local coffee shop, but the register barring the door and the fact that we must sit on the sidewalk to drink highlights the bizarre nature of our world. No wonder outside does not feel too safe right now. The sky is deep cloudless blue and the earth smells like pine needles heating up in midday. 
As we walk toward the river, I feel a tiny gladness rise in me, but the gladness feels stunted. I usually feel my heart can expand and my body can rest as I hike with the sun on my face. Today, I feel tight inside even while the tiny gladness fights for air. When we get to the river, the rocks I imagine us spreading our towels on were shaded. We decide to cross the river. It is running a little high, and so we decide to walk across a fallen log. It is about eight feet in the air, but wide enough and solid. Bevan walks quickly across. I have hesitation in my gut, but adjust my backpack and push through. I get a third of the way, and I stop. My legs start shaking. My breath is restricted. There is a small branch jutting out that I need to step over, but I cannot lift my leg. I want to sit down, but I am too afraid. I just stand there shaking. I hear my daughter saying something, but I do not know what. I order myself to move, but my body does not listen. My daughter crosses, crosses back over the log to ask me what is wrong. I tell her I don't know. She says, maybe you should sit down. I can hardly get my body to sit, but I do. Then I scoot backward until I can get off the log. Bevan crosses back over and I go to find a part of the river I can cross. I do so easily, but get wet and the spring melt. When we find our warm rocks to stretch out on, Bevan says, I've never seen you like that. I reply, it is rare. I think my body is holding more anxiety than I have realized. She understands not being a stranger to anxiety. The rocks feel good under my towel and I realize I am needing my hand to feel the warmth and solidity. I look at my legs and they are scratched and a little bloody. I am no stranger to crossing rivers. I have crossed a log like the one today with a 50 pound pack on my shoulders. Summiting mountains is one of my favorite pastimes. I do feel a fear of height at times, usually when there is severe reveal on both sides of me, but I have never been unable to push through until today. I think the log represents my uncertainty. I do not have control over COVID-19. I feel a bit like my 10-year-old must. The world is unfamiliar and I do not know if I'm safe or if I can keep my people safe. Being suspended high above rushing water causes my body to confess my internal panic. I feel suspended over danger with a thin line of safety. I need the grounding river-worn granite to hold me so I feel safe. When it comes to my body, I have not always been a trustworthy caregiver. I am learning not to override my embodied responses. Although I attempted an override today, the fact that I have honored my reality in recent years gave my body permission to speak the truth. Maybe my body is learning to trust the rest of me. This experience was not pleasant, but nor is requiring myself to be a hero when I am scared, trapped, and feeling young. May this traumatic time in history be an invitation to make room for the past suffering it is excavating. Maybe now, when I have nowhere to go, I can be a safe place. Really beautiful, Jill. Mm. Yeah. My favorite part of that was really Bevan being able to see well, and then her naming, and, you know, she was marrying in many ways what you've done for her like do you need to sit down and then once you named the panic she was able to be with you mm-hmm. um and not panic herself she actually did a great job of uh, being in a different place um so i really just loved the intersection for you too and then was also i feel sad that <laughs> You know, this pandemic is bringing up such collective trauma 
that it is triggering our bodies in ways that um, we're all just beginning to be able to name. But you did that too. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was really proud of Bevan that day. And, and, and honestly, like I, I even said this to her, like it's a little bit embarrassing, right, to be caught so vulnerably um, when, when I feel like my job is to be um, the strong, safe place. Um, and yet I see, like, I, um, I allowed her to know me I guess in that moment. And I think that there's value in that. Um, yeah. Huge value. Yeah. I didn't hear that she was caretaking, but she knew like her instant response was what you've given her. Like, what do you need? Mm. And then she named an option, which is lovely and shows that she's been parented in her own anxiety. Well, And then she also could allow room for you to find a different way for you guys to pick back up and still enjoy the warmth and the rocks and that kind of thing um, versus it, you know, just wrecking everything. Mm -hmm. It didn't ramp her up. So she has good autonomy. (laughs) Like I heard so many good things there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, I wanted to share this, like I said, to kind of get me back into a vulnerable space, but to really ask us all some questions. Um, like, I'd be curious, Jan, like what, um, you know, not that you have to get to that place that I was at, but what things are you holding in your body that maybe you don't always let yourself um, recognize or or that maybe the, the collective, um, just in your body impact of all those things, like what's weighing on you these days? And I'd ask also just um, our whoever's listening to, to, to at, be asking themselves that question. Um, what's weighing on me? Uh, is the uncertainty mainly. Um, I'm an Enneagram 8 planner and I love to know the plan. Hmm. And so my college age son who's home and then my daughter who's a senior are both highly concerned about whether the universities are going to open. You know, they've kind of gotten past some of the disappointment from this year but now, even August, it feels like it feels like I'm being held hostage in stages. Mm. Um, you know, like we get past one marker and then there's still so much uncertainty. We were supposed to take a big trip for my daughter's senior year this year. I can't imagine that we'll be able to do any of that. Um, and I'm not fighting against everything, but I just feel these continual letdowns. Mm. Um And then when my kids, like, they're almost going to um, apathy, Mm -hmm. or they are, some of them are. And then I feel my body trying to ramp up to push them over the hill Mm -hmm. of, like, completing their schoolwork or the things that have to get done. Um, So it just feels like a lot of cycles of either collapse in I just can't plan anything or ramp up to try to keep the collective train moving enough that we're going to get past, you know, to grades for the end of the school year and that kind of thing. So, 
um, my body feels tired, but not, it's not that good kind of tired. It's that weary kind of tired. Yeah. Um, and I feel really sad at the collective unknowing too. Mm. Like you can just feel, I can, when I have to go get groceries, um, it just feels like there's panic in the air. Mm. And so of course we're just all taking that into our bodies and that kind of thing. So, Mm. yeah, Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I, I've realized how much I like put off going to get groceries. Like I put it off as far as I can until my kids are looking at me like, mom, (laughs) I'm tired of eating carrots. There's no You're snack down food. To cinnamon and old oatmeal, and we need some some stuff. I know my 14 year old is always looking at me, saying, "Will you get me some chips?" Yes, <laughs> snacks. That's, what, that's all they're writing on my list. Need snacks. Like, you're providing meals. Need snacks. Totally, totally. No, I think your line, Shandy. It feels like I'm being held hostage in stages. Man, that is so right on. Like, it mm-hmm. does, like, that speaks to the word. Because, like, I just keep feeling like that that word, like, trapped. Like, they're, like I'm trapped somehow. But it's the most odd trapped ever. Um, but that line is so good. And this, like, in stages. So it's like, I think it's like our bodies have this natural desire um, to, to, like move move out of of the pain or move out of the uncertainty but we're not able to it's like you move a little bit and then you, and then you collapse like you said and then you move a little bit and and then like you're talking about your your kids and and what is needed for them to get through the year and it's so much and i've been hearing as well like like just parents from different places talking about the overwhelm of all the school emails all of the work they're trying to haul their kids through not to yeah. mention what they're doing on their own you know whether it's working from home or or not but whatever they're doing on on their own is added to that so it does just seem almost impossible um this sounds a little bit overblown but it almost feels impossible to me to stay in a regulated place because of everything that you just said right i mean we've upended the normalcy of routine and even if you've been gifted enough to establish a routine which i have sucked the big one on that i mean oh my gosh we are so off kilter because i have teenagers and they get up really late now and um you know what's the use in waking a 15 year old with that went to bed at God knows what time, one in the morning, and trying to make that go well, you know, like, I just can't fight every battle. And so I've given up a lot of things thinking like, maybe that'll make it better. And then um, so many things haven't worked. Mm. And I hear that with lots of different people in different stages, too, Um, whether people have little people and they can't go to public parks and they live in an apartment or you know whatever so they've literally got kids 
climbing the furniture, that kind of thing. Or it's the opposite. It's the apathy of teenagers who are just like, what's the point? Um, and even worse is when I agree with them because there is very little point to doing um, certain things online that are like such a pitiful offering. Mm. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you don't have to do choir. It's, you know, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You can let that one go. Yeah. So I think there's like goodness in letting some things go, but then as a parent too, I don't know if you've felt this, Jill. I also feel this like um, collective failure mm. because I'm kind of thinking like maybe the kids are going to show like this secret awesome place in themselves that I've never seen before. You know, like maybe the the hardship will bring out really great, you know, hidden qualities or something. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why my brain thought that that would happen. <laughs> but all I can end up seeing is they don't want to help me mulch my gigantic amount of trees that need mulch. Um, or, or whatever it is, load yeah. the dishwasher, help with cooking, whatever. And then I get into this spiral of like, I haven't trained them to be equipped for a crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that feels like I hear you because I've, I have, oh man, have I been in that same place like, like a bazillion times it feels like in this last two years of COVID. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but but I wonder, I wonder if we need to pull that off of ourselves and just say that there, there really was no preparing for this pandemic. Like we, 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 we wouldn't have wanted to raise our children so that they could live well through COVID-19. That's not the goal. And I hear what you're saying that like we, what we want is like, res, like to see resiliency and we want to see the beautiful things that do come out of being pressed in hard times. And I do think those things are being crafted in them, but they aren't going to be visible for a while. Like they are developing resilience, whether we, whether we see that or feel that or experience that. I think they are developing it because they're living through something that is the probably the hardest thing that they have lived through or one of the hardest things that they have lived through. So that's doing something to them internally. We just might have to be patient enough to see like the good of it all. Like we might just have to sit with the, yeah, I, you're playing Call of Duty for like the third hour. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> You know, like those places where you're like, uh, I don't see any any gold in that. <laughs> right. Or I see. You don't want to hear what I want to say <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Jill, you and I had talked earlier about more of what we're actually needing. And as you were just reflecting to me, I thought, you know, I'm probably. Um, which is a little painful to admit, but asking my kids to come through in some spaces that I'm needing someone else to. Mm. I don't know if it's God or if it's normally other people or whatever, but, um, you know, I'm out with my husband and three kids on 50 acres and there's so much work to do. 
Mm. And I actually needed the physical help. Mm. And the other day I asked them all for one hour to mulch with us um, because we have mice and things that are coming back um, as it gets warmer. And I was worried about the mulch pile becoming a giant mouse infested um, snake bait kind of situation. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Like, you can just hear, like, my mind is already going at all these places, you know. Yes. Kind of irrational places. And so I bring all this pressure to that. But really, I am needing some joining. Mm -hmm. And someone to say, like, wow, this is a really heavy load to be completely on your own. Mm -hmm. And, um you know, I just wish there was more help and collaboration. Yeah. And I think that's so well said. And that actually takes me back to what I wrote because what I really need was like that, what that granite was for me. Like I need that in my life. Like I need that solid place to stand on. And I hear you needing that too. And yet, and you needing it in a more like active form, like you, you need, you need like, I don't know, the the family down the street to come, come and help you or like the the farm neighbors to come help you with the mulch or like you need the real practical people to show up and help you do a job that's too big for you. And so then that sets up that place um, in our hearts to like need our kids or want our kids to kind of show up in ways that they just haven't learned to yet because they're still children or even if they're teenagers, they're still young. Totally. Um, so I have been able to dial it back, which is good. Um, you know, but it, there, there's a real strain, Mm. right? Like we have, I think we already, lived pretty independently as a nation Mm -hmm. the united states people are pretty independent but now it has isolated where even if you did have collaboration you really can't have it now and so it's kind of that like i feel like a pioneer because of where we are like it's all up to us and we have all these certain things that need to happen in a specific amount of time and i can't ask for help and it feels cruel to not have the normal resources of people. Absolutely. When I, um, yeah, when I went to, uh, or when I had Zoom therapy, um, after, after having that incident on the log and I was talking that through, you know, my therapist was asking me like, so tell me about other times in life where you have felt like, you know, everything was too much where you have felt like it was all up to you. Everything was up to you, you know? And so I was able to, to like go back to, um, to being a new mom the, for the first time and feeling like I had no, I had nowhere, like if I fell, you know, the kid was going to die. Like I, like I could not, I could not let down and, and relax and, and even admit what I might need in that moment because I had to survive to make sure he survived. And, and so there are some very, very, um, like, it's, it's powerless, but it's almost, it's also resourceless places being being triggered in my story and like like she was able to help me find you know more than like there are multiple places in my life and and I realized yeah I feel all those same things right now um Mm -hmm. even though 
even though I am more resourced now, I am like, I am healthier. I am more mature, like whatever I am that is, that has grown since then, but I still feel the same. Mm -hmm. And it's also unexpected, just like becoming a new mom, um, you know, or for me, my expectations were off the charts Mm -hmm. oh my gosh good lord we can get into that another day but um you know life was just kind of going along and then we dropped into this hole Mm -hmm. of you know not having the things that normally do help um and i do agree there's more than we see when we're in that trauma response um so how how are you getting out of the the trauma response and that like is there anything you're doing or mm. being able to hold on to that's helping yeah yeah so like I mean I this is obvious but like I'm really and truly serious that writing out um that experience and some others for me has been very cathartic like and I didn't feel like writing it like I didn't feel all inspired like I want to sit down and write something meaningful I made myself because I know that there's something about putting it down and saying it again that like is soothing. It helps me clarify what I'm feeling. Um, I have been walking a lot. Um, and one of my friends named that let's, she's like, yeah, that's just like your EMDR. (laughs) And she's right. Like that, Mm -hmm. like that is my EMDR when I, when I can't have other, you know, forms, forms of it. Um, what else have I been doing? I feel like I actually had something kind of good to say and it seriously flew right out of my brain. Um, (laughs) I'm serious. Talk to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, even, even honestly, even um, I, I kind of am letting it provoke the agency to podcast again. Like it's like it, the um, trauma and the experience in our body. It needs somewhere to go. It like it needs a way to get out and it needs a way to be processed. So even even processing this with you and talking about that this right now is is a form of release for me and so I think I would just encourage people to like it feels like we don't have um or at least to me it feels harder to have conversations with people right now because there are kids all around so I am out in my little camper van right now recording this podcast because my house is too loud there are people walking around facetiming doing zoom like there's just too much so I'm out in my van to find a quiet space to do this but the more we can talk to people or text people or just connect in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think something else, like I love Brene Brown and I just love what she puts in the world. So it's really soothing to me to go for a walk and listen to a Brene Brown podcast. She's got a new one out. And there's just something about her ability to contain um, emotions and thoughts and yet do it in such a Brene vulnerable way that it feels like a little bit of mirroring to me. Like someone's mirroring back something of what's inside of me and that feels really soothing what about what about you how are you able to just to either tune in or to address what's happening in your body um well and I know this is not possible for everyone so I feel a little hesitant to share it but um we are trying to clear brush and grass and all kinds of things that were left for many years on this property and so um uh we have been mulching we have been weeding we have been planting a garden um i've been 
spreading grass seed. And so there's a lot of rhythms. Mm. Um, it does make me very physically tired, but in that good, like I did good work today kind of place. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I'm not saying, trust me, there are days that I'm like, if I see one more wheelbarrow of (laughs) mulch, I will lose my mind. Mm. But, um, there is something that is really holding me, which is actually the ground, the Mm. looking at grass seed coming up out of the ground that is helping me know that will come out of it. And I know a lot of people have been really, you know, taking pictures of, the trees changing and flowers coming up and that kind of thing. And it's true because we need to know there's greater rhythms. And so that has been the best thing. And then definitely therapy has been really huge because, um, I'm still just working through a lot of spiritual things. And my counselor has been helping me reframe from such black and white, like, when I'm in trauma, I go to very black and white places Mm, and have a hard time finding the middle ground. And she has been doing a lovely job of naming ways that God can hold me that are much more kind than how I frame them for myself. And so, um, a lot of the letting go of things, Jill has been me trying to enter into that place with God and just say, I don't have to keep everyone on schedule with all their subjects. Let's shoot for what's most important. And then trust that their brains are going to be resilient enough next year to like figure those things out. Um, Instead of interpreting, like, I can't believe that this is all we can get done. Um, So sometimes it's just that, like reframing and letting myself off the hook from ridiculous standards. Yeah, that's so good. And I, yeah, that's really, really good. I'm with you on, on the earth. And like, I actually like hate working in the yard and weeding and all that stuff. But I like have, like I filled a wheelbarrow full of dandelions um, over the last few days. And it's just because I needed to feel something real and I needed to be outside and I needed to smell the dirt and touch the grass. And so I do think they're, you know, and, and like, if you live in an apartment or if you live in a space where you can't do that, there are other ways you can bring a rock in from outside. You can have a house plant. Like there are things that can still anchor us all to nature, even if we can't be out in our yard for whatever reason, or if we don't have one. Um, the other thing though, that I was, was going to mention earlier that flew out of my brain, but you reminded me when you were talking about your therapist, helping you reframe things with God. Um, I was at, um, part of the story workshop that the Allender center did this, um, last weekend and kind of this prayer came out of me. Um, and Dan Allender always, or often says um, that we're in between death and resurrection, like that sometimes we're living in that place of not yet. Um, and and I agree with, with so much of our lives are, are in that place, but there's something that we know um, that like 
you know, like the disciples or whoever, like that they didn't know. So what we know is that the re- resurrection is coming. Like we, we, we are not um, unaware of that. We are not like the people that watch Jesus be put in the tomb. Like we know it's coming. And so what came out of me was the like the realization and the truth that we can anchor to the fact that help is on the way. Like help is always coming. Like that is a truth for us in whatever circumstance, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's with our teenagers, help is on the way. And so I have been repeating that to myself and I'm going to write something about it. Um, again, writing has felt hard. Like I've had to force myself, but, um, I just think that there is, that's part of the, the granite beneath my feet is that help is always on the way. Um, so I think maybe maybe we could just leave with that, that that's really true. And if it doesn't feel true, we're with you in that. Um, but we believe it to be true and we bless you with that truth. Um, and thanks for being with us. And we're going to try to be a little bit um, more regular. I've said that before, but I really mean it. And so we'll see. We're going to sneak off to our to Jill's camper and I'm <laughs> in my master bedroom giving the stink eye to people who are coming in here to do laundry. Like, be quiet. So hopefully you didn't hear lots, but this is the quietest place I've got. (laughs) Totally. And if you did, then that's okay too, because that's what we're all doing. We're all zooming and having random people walk through and, or, or our kids are zooming and I'm thinking, oh yeah, their teacher is seeing me in my pajamas. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome world. (laughs) I know it's all real. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Shan. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.